Hello and welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. To say everything in life is easy to understand is far from the truth. Traumatic accidents happen and we wonder why. Why did this happen to me? How do I make sense of this? These are the types of questions Arden Brock found himself asking after facing more than one life-threatening encounter. When the big one caught him by surprise, he saw the face of the evil one tempting him to take the easy way out and end it all. I am Arden Brock. I live in Kynock, a small community near Iron Bridge, just east of Sault Ste. Marie. We own a beef farm and do some logging, uh, retail firewood from the logging industry to, to a market near us. I met Kristen at a regional camp meeting uh, where a bunch of the churches got together once a year for, for religious meetings. and. She came from a different church in the area than I did. So we have three children together, and Natalie is our oldest, and then Isaac and Aaron's youngest. Uh, they bring a lot of joy to their life. They're, they're awesome kids, and uh, they're fun to be with, and uh, they enjoy time with the family, and uh, I love them. I've always been involved in equipment operation as part of the industries we work in. And it involves a lot of danger. Uh, the equipment is good equipment, but just by nature, working with animals and working with uh, primary industry, it in involves uh, a level of danger similar to that of the mining industry. Uh, we are the softest thing that we work with. As such, uh, I've had a number of incidents in my life where it's clear that God is the one that takes the credit, is, is the one that provided the, the protection. I remember one incident when we were in the, in the logging industry. I was driving a slasher up a hill, and as I got uh, on this hill, I realized that I didn't have enough traction to make it over the top. But, at that point you're committed, so what can you do? So I made the decision, well, I'll go until I spin out and hopefully it'll get enough traction that I can at least hold it on the hill. Um, I wasn't able to, so I started to slide back down the hill and backwards. And although you're sliding, you do have some steering control and I thought, well, maybe if I could steer the the back end of the trailer into the snowbank, it'll stop me. And uh, there's a drop off on the left side that the trailer goes into the snowbank on the right hand side and it pushes the truck sideways. And I look over through the window and I see a, a stump of a tree and I'm like, oh, what's this gonna feel like? And all of a sudden the, the truck rattles and, and just stops. And uh, why? Uh, and the when I get out and look, I crawled out the, the passenger side because I'm hanging in midair on the driver's side. I noticed that the boom of the slasher has rested up against a tree that was standing on the side of the road and it's what kept the, the slasher from rolling over. So that's one of the examples of how 
how God's intervened in my life. My accident happened a month and a day after my firstborn was born. As a new parent, you don't get as much sleep as you normally would. So there was a lot of influencing factors. It was a hectic period uh, of time on the farm. Uh, there was a, it was the beginning of haying se season, so there was obviously a, a lot of work. We're just wrapping up some of the, the forestry side of things. So again, that was taking a lot of time. So we bale baleage. If you're familiar with farm work, uh, it's, there's a round baler that you bale green hay. When we bale that, if the moisture content isn't perfect, it'll tend to wrap on the rollers. And if it does that, uh, oftentimes we don't deal with it right away. We'll deal with it later in the day or, or as a preventative maintenance the following morning, which was what I did this day. Uh, that had happened the, the night before. We had worked late into the night to, to wrap up some baleage. And uh, the following morning, I was doing this preventative maintenance where I would cut off the, the wrapped material on those rollers. So you take a Zacto knife and just score the, uh, the material and then turn the, the baler on, turn the PTO on on the tractor and it turns the rollers. And uh, usually the material will come off. If it doesn't, you shut the PTO off and, and get back in and score it in a different location. I'd done that a number of times and this one rubber roller, it didn't want to flake off. So I thought, well, I'll just uh, use a putty knife and, and, and scrape that while it's turning. Uh, an unsafe procedure. So if somebody's listening and you think, well, it won't happen to me, I'm here to tell you that it can happen to you. So I went up there with a putty knife and uh, well, since I knew the danger, I was very cautious that uh, you know you don't let the putty knife get you know, pulled in. And uh, so you're there being very careful that as you just flip it up a little bit and if that putty knife gets caught, you're gonna let it go. Well, what I didn't take into consideration was that the leather glove I was wearing had a tab on the backside and that tab got caught between the, the roller and the belt and pulled me in backwards. And as soon as I got caught in there, I recognized that uh, this wasn't going to have a good ending. Uh, I didn't probably anticipate how bad it was going to be at the time, but it pulled me in and there I am stuck. And it's stuck right about the knuckles where I'm pulled back in toward this, uh, this pinch point and the belt's turning. Of course, now I can't get to the tractor, shut it off. No one else is around. I'm in the shop by myself. You can yell and holler, call for help, but nobody's going to hear you. It's half a mile to the nearest house. So I did those things. I yelled and hollered and, you know, called. And then because of that, I lost my grip and I went in further. So now I'm uh, up at the forearm, uh, halfway or a little higher between the elbow and the wrist. And that's where I recognized that this had the potential to kill me. Um, there's no way out. And more than likely, the only way that I'm getting out is by going through. So I looked out a window. I was up on top of the machine, so I, I could see out a window. It was maybe 10 feet high. 
And uh, I was looking to the east and you just see light and, and the kind of the hills in the, in the background. And you wonder if, you know, that's the last time you're going to see the day. I look down at them rollers and I see as they're turning like a thousand RPM, they're turning very quickly. And the devil tempts at that point in time, like, I can just put in the other, put in the other arm. It's like he's looking you in the face and says, you know, end it all. Just put in the other hand and be done with it. And the prayer that I had prayed, you know, Lord, help me, dear Jesus, help me. That was essentially four-worded prayer. Uh, very simple. And that's when God gave me the intuition, if you just hold back a little bit longer, the rollers will go through the muscle. When it hits the bone, it's going to be slippery. And then you can jump from the machine and be free. It'll break those bones off. Sometimes it's easier to die than to live for God. So I decided at that moment, I will try to do what God asked me to. It's not an easy thing. And I jumped from the machine. I landed on the floor, on my feet, but I was dismembered. My arm, my right arm, was gone from midway between the elbow and the wrist. And uh, that, that is the moment that now you have to struggle for your life. Even though you're free for the machine, that doesn't mean you're alive for long. So there was a phone in the shop. I went over to the phone and called 911, um, filed a report with them. And they said, where are you? And I uh, tried to explain the location. I said, well, you know, I can't stay on the phone with you. I need to go out to the road so you'll know where I am. And uh, they reluctantly uh, agreed that that was the best scenario. And I hung up with them, and then I called my wife. Uh, again, as I mentioned, our daughter is uh, a month and a day old, and uh, Kristen took Natalie and, and put her in the back seat of the car, grabbed some towels. She didn't know what she was in for. Um, I had simply told her that I'd tore my arm off in the bailer and I'd called 911, but I'd probably need some help before the ambulance got there. Uh, so it was a moment of panic for her. Um, she was very certain that I wouldn't survive, uh, but she wanted to do what she could uh, to, to comfort my last moments. So she, she attempted to, to come to the, to the location. In the meantime, I shut the machine off and then I exited the, the building. And as I exited the building, um, my dad and my sister, they were coming down the road and there's one break in the buildings where you can see from the shop door up to the road. And my sister had noticed me walking out the, the door and said to my, my dad, you know, it looks like Arden's coming out of the shop. Maybe he wants to talk to us. So they slowed down as they're passing behind the other building and I, I saw that they were coming. So I, I went a little bit to the left to, to meet them at the roadway. And uh, that's when my dad saw for the first time that, you know, I'd, 
I'd been involved in this accident and was dismembered. It was a huge shock to him. Um, as, a, as a parent now, you know, I can only kind of begin to recognize the, the um, upheaval and the, the sorrow uh, that he experienced in that moment. You know, it's such a loss for us personally to experience a loss, but for a parent to experience a loss is, is also a, a great tragedy. So I went over to the pickup. Um, my sister had gotten out. Uh, I walked around behind. As I was getting in, I noticed some flagging tape that was laying on the dash of the truck. And I asked my sister to, to put a tourniquet on, even though it wasn't bleeding all that bad. Uh, I don't know why it wasn't bleeding uh, tremendously. At that point, it should have been gushing blood. But it was, you know, there was blood there. It wasn't that it was uh, bloodless, but uh, it wasn't pouring out. We got in the truck, Dad drove as fast as uh, the truck would allow him to, and uh, we met the ambulance uh, partway to the hospital. Um, in the, the first mile of that is where we met Kristen coming, and we just briefly slowed down and explained that Dad was taking me to the ambulance. She turned around and, and started to follow us. Uh, we met the ambulance. Uh, I got out of the pickup and got in the ambulance. Uh, when we got in the ambulance, they asked me, well, where's, where's the rest of your arm? And uh, that's when I recalled, I'd never thought of picking it up before, but I recalled well, I, when I was on the phone with 911, I heard it go through the, the compression rollers. He came back to pick that up, another gruesome task that uh, he did. Um, essentially because he loved me, right? Because there was the possibility, or we were informed that maybe there was a possibility that they could do a reattachment. Um, so he was willing to, to do whatever it took to, you know, follow through with the possibility of that. I got in the ambulance. They took me to the, the local hospital, which is a small hospital. There they, uh, you know, just more or less assessed the situation, made sure it was stable and started, uh, started a pain management program. And then from there, we did a, a land transfer in an ambulance to Sault Ste. Marie. At that hospital, um, a fellow was already being prepped and the OR team was ready to, to do a, a surgery on a broken leg. Uh, and uh, that man graciously offered up his spot in the operating room for me to have revisionary surgery at that time, which is not a common thing. Oftentimes with trauma dismemberment, you end up having at least one revisionary surgery, if not a number of revisionary surgeries over a period of weeks or months. And so in my case, they did an amputation, a revisionary amputation on the day of my accident. And I've never had a surgery on the residual limbs since. Um, God, I believe, guided that team in a way that they could do an adequate job on the day of the injury 
that it didn't have to be revisited later on. I remember the trip, um, the individuals going into the x-ray room, going into the operating room, and uh, right up until, until the uh, anesthesia set in, I remember everything clearly. And I believe it was God that gave that clarity, right? I also remember waking up from, from the surgery. Prior to the surgery, I remember having a conversation with the doctor saying, well, we're, we're going to see what we can do. Um, we might be able to reattach, uh, but we'll see what we can do. And they, they held out a glimmer of hope, but not, not a lot. When I woke up, I remember uh, I still had the sensation of a full arm. And, uh, you know, I thanked them profusely. And I remember distinctly uh, the doctor kind of floundering for words as he thought I was too optimistic to know that they had amputated and that he was trying to inform me that while well, we, we weren't able to save your arm, Arden, like we, we had to amputate. And, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have a right arm. And I, I still just continued to thank them for, for doing what they could. And uh, it was an emotional, an emotional scene in the, in the operating room. A number of the nurses had to leave um, because they were used to someone that would be angry in that situation, right? And I don't say that in part of that grieving process I wasn't angry, but God gave me the ability to be grateful even in the loss. Um, it it's just comes down to our focal point, right? Are we going to focus on the loss or are we going to focus on what remains? So from that point on, uh, we went into rehab. There was a, a few nights in, uh, two nights I guess, in uh, the ICU where they watched carefully. Um, and then they transferred me into a private room. Of course, very concerned about uh, PTSD and, and my mental state at that point to try and um, mitigate any, any attempt to do anything further. Uh, so I believe God is the one that gave me the strength to not um, become despondent. Um, and I can't help but credit my family and friends at that time for their immense support. There was a huge amount of uh, support from the farming community, from my friends, and most of all, from my family. My children don't know dad with two arms. My oldest was a month and a day old uh, when the accident happened. So her memory, um, I have one picture of me holding my daughter with two arms. Um, my two sons, um, I was, I was one-handed before they were conceived. Um, so my daughter is the only one that, that even has the knowledge that I had two arms at one point in time. Why I didn't die of shock or bleed out is a miracle. Um, I don't believe there's any explanation 
of why that didn't happen. Um, I didn't need a transfusion from the trauma or from the, the follow-up revisionary surgery. Not that I was opposed to having a blood transfusion, there was just no need for one. I had signed the paperwork to allow it, um, but the, the medical team deemed that there was no necessity for me to have any transfusion. So I believe it was, it was God's intervention. Um, naturally, um, I would have bled out a number of times over again. Um, I would have died from blood loss, I would have died from shock. It was strictly a miracle of God that I survived that incident, uh, not through my strength, not through any of my keen wittedness or intellect. It was God's direction, following God's direction. Yeah, so there was one, one doctor that uh, he was responsible for pain management and he came to visit me in my room uh, after the surgery, uh, kind of to explain pain management. And I asked him the, the question of why didn't I bleed out? Why didn't I bleed? And he's like, I don't know. He says, if I would have heard even from the team that you didn't need a blood transfusion, I wouldn't have believed it. He says, because I was there, I know that's what happened, but I don't understand why. So in that moment, I chose to do what God had asked me to do, and He gave me the strength to do it. It wasn't something that I did of myself, um, and He gave me the strength following that to be positive. Because you can't go through trauma and not decide. You have to decide, tomorrow's another day, yes, but it's not the same as yesterday. So now you have to decide whether you're going to be grateful for what remains or whether you're going to be bitter for what you've lost. And really, a bad attitude is the worst disability. Uh, you don't have to be physically disabled to be disabled by a bad attitude. God has made our body awesome. The, the way the body will adapt to loss and compensate is, is incredible. With a little modification, uh, operated equipment, do mechanical work, work in the forestry industry. The mechanical work is probably one of the most challenging, but it's interesting how, even though I was right-hand dominant before, now I can take a bolt between my thumb and index finger and I can thread a nut on uh, with one hand. Before, I couldn't do that with my right hand. But God has done something in our brains that when we do stuff like that, He gives us the ability if we set our mind to it. So moving forward, God has given me the ability to continue to be positive because of His strength, not because of my ability. So Arden, you, Kristen, and your three precious children are going to drive all the way from here, Ontario, to Alberta Lacombe, and you're going to start a new chapter in your lives. 
Yes, and since we love the farm so much, we intend to come back in the summertime and spend our summers here, helping out with the family farm. And then we, we follow God's leading and uh, go through the education and we'll find out what God has in the future uh, when that time comes. Arden, before we go, I wonder if you could pray for our viewers. Um, there may be someone struggling right now with feelings of bitterness, maybe questions, um, maybe they're struggling to go on. Uh, could you pray for those people right now? Certainly, certainly. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us, Father. You know that there's individuals out there that are struggling with bitterness, with loss. Life isn't easy on us here in this world. And Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you'll be near each one, encourage them, reassure them of your love for us. And may the joy of service to you be in their heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Auden, thank you so much for joining us on Eddie Schwitz in Canada. Thank you so much for having me. We were doing well. The first few days after we moved here was a, an incredible transition. We have found a new church family and my children are involved there. My wife is, feels very accepted and the church family is very welcoming. My children started on a new platform in school and of course I had a, an awesome transition from being in the industry to being as a student. Uh, but God, God provided and we made that transition and now we're uh, underway and everything is going along smoothly. Listening to Arden's experience has taught us many practical lessons, such as how to live with optimism in the face of traumatic setbacks. Our free offer for you today is Words of Hope. Words of Hope will help you understand other life lessons to guide you in your Christian walk, such as the blessing of generosity, the power of humility, and the way to persevere when life is tough. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. You too can experience the fullness of life found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. While working hard for his family, he lost an arm and was suddenly afraid. From now on, I shall only be able to do things by halves. I shall reap a half harvest. I shall be able to play either the tune or the accompaniment on the piano, but never both parts together. I shall be able to bang with only one fist on the doors. And worst of all, I shall only be able to half hold my love close to me. There will be things I cannot do at all. Applaud, for example, at shows where everyone applauds. From that moment on, 
he set himself to do everything with twice as much enthusiasm. And where the arm had been torn away, a wing grew. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.